You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Good to see you. I'm so glad to be here. The brains of the outfit is here as well. Would you all give a warm welcome to my lovely bride, Pastor Dawn? She puts up with me, five children, uh, three are married. We think one might be getting close, so our family's growing. We have, how many grandchildren we have? I can't see it. Six, six with seventh on the way, right? Six grandchildren with number seven on the way. We take seriously the command to be fruitful and multiply, so glad to be here. I wanna ask you some questions as we get rolling today. How many of you all wanna live a blessed life? Let me see a show of hands. How many of you all wanna make a difference bigger than what you can do by yourself. You wanna connect to something that's making a big difference. Let me see a show of hands. It's already happening. Pastor Tim just shared about the generosity that you all have, the difference is being made. Hey, we can celebrate this win as we get going together today as well. Over four campuses, the four High Ridge campuses last Sunday, 89 people were baptized. Can somebody, come on, give a shout out to that. God has blessed us. And he's helping us to make an eternal difference. And here's what I want to encourage you with today. Title today is Growing in Generosity. See, I believe that there's room for all of us to grow in this area. And I believe that the Lord has given me a word to help you to grow in generosity. Pastor Tim didn't know that I was teaching this, so he didn't ask me, would you come and teach on something that'll bring more in? It's not the the atmosphere, not the heart of this church at all. He didn't know until I sent the notes that the Lord had put on my heart to teach you out of Genesis about the concept of generosity. And so I do this today with no motive in mind other than wanting you to be blessed, wanting your life to profit in a way that that happens when God looks down and sees that you have a generous heart. So growing generosity in this little story will help get us going today. A group of men were at the gym working out when a cell phone rings. One of the men answers the cell phone. On the other line, he hears, hey, honey, is that you? I can hardly hear you. It's so loud. Are you at the gym? He says, yes, I am. The woman then says, well, I'm at the fur shop, and uh, they've got this beautiful mink coat, and I love it. Can I get it? He says, well, how much is it? She says, just $10,000. He says, sure, and go ahead and get the purse that matches the coat. Says, oh, thank you, honey, she says. She then goes on. She says, I stopped by the BMW dealership on the way to the fur shop today. And while there, my favorite model, it's there, the color that I like, it's there. And uh, it's the last one they've got. Can I get it? He goes, sure, how much is it? She says, just $90,000. He said, go ahead and get it. She says, oh, honey, you're so sweet. Thank you so much, and hangs up. He hangs up on the cell phone and then holds it up and says, hey, does anybody know whose cell phone this is? That's a good one. I don't care what you say, that's a good one. It also makes a point. Sometimes it's easier for us to be generous with other people's stuff than it is to be generous with our stuff. So I want to show you two different mindsets that come out of the first book of the Bible. And so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to compare and contrast two mindsets. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, things that I think will help you to grow and develop in the area of generosity, and then we're gonna pray, then we're gonna have the best week we've ever had in our life. Come on, 
best, the best week ever. So here we go, Genesis chapter one, starting verse 29. Here's the, what the Bible says. And God said, now the one writing this is Moses, the Holy Spirit actually writing through him. I believe there's one author to the Bible, the Holy Spirit. There are 40 different scribes or 40 different ones that actually put pen to paper. This so happens to be the Holy Spirit through Moses. And he's recounting something years after the fact that it happened. And he's telling a story. He's, he's giving us a narrative here of something that happened way back at the beginning of time. So here's what the Bible says. God said, behold, I have given you. Now let's stop right there. How many of you all know that the, that the God that we serve is very, very generous? He gives stuff to us all the time. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that God will meet our every need. Now, with the mindset that we live with, being in a westernized country, we live in America, and our mindset is, I want it, I want it all, and I want it now. How many of you all get tired of waiting through the drive through I mean, I drove, past, I drove past Starbucks the other day. I was in a hurry to get somewhere. The line was crazy long. I needed something to eat. I was gonna get the egg cups, you know, and, and get it. And so I thought, well, I'll go to McDonald's. The line was short at McDonald's. Pull into McDonald's. I'm in the line. I make my order, pick up my food, and my scrambled egg meal was cold. It was a sin. <laughs> uh, you, we want what we want. We want it our way, and we want it now. Can somebody say amen? You know what I'm talking about. But here's what we fail to realize. God is the one who gives us everything. He gives us everything we need. So behold, I have given you. Now I want you to count, Okay. I want you to count the number of times you hear every, everything, any word connected with every. I want you to see just how good our God is. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. Verse 30, and to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And then in verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. What's your count? Eight. The right answer is eight. Eight times. Eight times, he says every. What's the point? Everything belongs to God, and he gives it away liberally. Everything belongs to God and he gives it all away. God is very generous, and you belong to him. How many in this house today, raise your hand and say, I know Christ, he's in my life, he's forgiven my sins, just give me a wave. Yes, so we're in his kingdom now. We're in, we're in his family now. We're no longer in the kingdom of this world. We're no longer in the family of darkness. We get to live in the light with the creator and provider of all things. God is very, very generous. I want you to think about how you've been blessed. If you don't have a thank you list, I want to encourage you to start one. I have a thank you list in my prayer book. We have a lot to be thankful for. Now, you might be here today as a pastor, Jeff, but you don't know my circumstances. You don't know what's going on in my life. It's really tough right now, and I can't think of anything to be thankful for. All right, I want to, I want to do another little survey. How many of you all know for sure that you're gonna eat your next three meals? You've got enough money or you've already got the, the food on hand? Give me a wave. How many of you all have money in your pocket or you have access to money in some way, a bank account, a credit card, something? Just give me a wave. How many of you all have access to a motorized means of transportation? 
you do or your spouse does or, or some, somewhere, somehow, you have motorized transportation. How many of y'all have a roof over your house with heating and air conditioning? You sleep in a place that is protected and covered. Give me a wave. How many of y'all have a bed that has a mattress and is not on the ground? I'm not talking about a pallet, but you've got a real bed that you sleep in every night. Give me a wave. Guess what? Those of you that just lifted your hand five times, which is every one of us in this room, we are in the top 15 percentile of the world's population. Tell me you don't have something to be thankful for. You've got plumbing and running water. You can read and write. You've got a copy of the word of God that you can read on your own. We are blessed. Our God has blessed us. Come on, somebody give me an amen here. Our God has blessed us significantly. See, one of the biggest lies of the enemy going on in our world right now is what's mine is mine and I can do with it as I please. What's mine is mine. I get to do with it as I please. Really? Really? You, you really think that what's yours is yours? What, what have you created? There was once a story about a, an atheist sculptor that was arguing with God, telling God that he had the power to create just like God did. God said, okay, just for reference then, go ahead and, and create something for me. So the sculptor reached down and grabbed a handful of clay and God stopped him and said, ah, 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 go get your own clay. We haven't created anything. The air that we breathe, the, the food that we eat, everything. It says every, every seed, every fruit, everything given to us by a gracious and generous God and we belong to him. And therefore we get to live that way. Not, there's nothing that is yours. Here, here's the truth. You need to establish, are you willing to establish that everything you have belongs to God? Everything. There's nothing that's yours, it's all his. Well, let's pick up in Genesis chapter four now. Let's go over to see what happened with, with Adam and Eve's two boys, first two sons. So in Genesis chapter four, verses one through seven, let, let's read, I wanna show you a generous heart and a selfish heart. Here we go. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was the keeper of the sheep, Cain, a worker of the ground. Now, I want you to notice something here. What's the birth order? Who's the oldest son? Say his name. Who's the second son? Say his name. According to Hebrew tradition, you always list it according to birth order. And it starts out here saying that the firstborn was Cain, the secondborn was Abel. But notice the change in the narrative. Notice the difference here. You're wondering, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the end of verse two. Now Abel was the keeper of the sheep and Cain was a worker of the ground. Cain should have been referenced first, but Abel was. Why? Well, I'm gonna show you in just a moment why. Because Abel made a good choice according to generosity. Cain made a selfish choice according to evil. But let's, let's just take a look at this. Names during, during this time and throughout the Hebrew culture, names were given as a reflection of character. So when, when kids were born, the, the parents waited to see what the character was before they named the child. And so when we'd see as, as these two are listed, Cain's name means to possess or to hold on to tightly. You're gonna see what I'm talking about in a second. Abel's name means to have a surplus or an abundance. We saw that Cain was a farmer, Abel is a shepherd. We also will find out in just a moment that Cain had a selfish heart, Abel had a generous heart. 
Abel understood that everything he had was a gift from God, and he chose to live that way, but Cain thought what is mine is mine, and I can do with it as I please, and he ended up going into a bad practice of life. And I love you enough today that I wanna help you get into the place of blessing. I wanna help you to live in abundance. You see, you can't learn generosity from the world. You can only learn generosity from God. How do I know that? Because the spirit of this world, the spirit of this age is selfish and evil, and he leads us to a place that is not blessed by God. His name is Satan. But God is the giver of all things, the creator of life, and he generously gives everything away so that we can learn generosity his way as well. You can't learn it from the world. You learn it from God. Let's go over a couple uh, more verses here in Genesis chapter four, verse three. And now we see the meaning of the name. I wanna show you a couple things that maybe you didn't know before. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. Everybody say an. An offering of the fruit of the ground. Now what this is, is this is the indirect article. I'm sorry, the indefinite article. A is the indefinite article, the is the direct article. The definite article, why do I keep mixing those up? Anyway, what, what, what happened was is he gave an offering to the Lord. But now let's notice and see what Abel did. Abel also brought the, somebody say the, the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So he, the, the, the definite article is used here to describe what, what Abel gave. See, indirectly, Cain was just approaching the moment as, oh, anything will do. Anything, anything that I have will do for God. Grabs a handful of grain and gives an offering. Nothing specific about it. Nothing special about it. In the context, it was an afterthought. But Cain, on the other hand, gave the firstborn, which would have been the very best that he had. And not only the very best that he had, but he also gave their fat portions. In other words, there were other animals slaughtered and that was offered in a sacrifice to God as well. One was very definitive on how much he loved God and wanted to be like God. One was very definitive on how much he loved himself and wanted to keep what he had for himself. What a difference between these two men. One was generous and one was not. Let's go on. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Why? Because it was special. It was out of the overflow. Let me just help you to understand something here. It says the firstborn. Many people will teach this as a tithing passage. But tithing hadn't happened yet. The very first time that tithing happened, for those that are new to the faith, tithing is when you give the very first 10% that you receive, you give it back to the Lord. Why do you do that? Because the Bible teaches us that that's not ours. It's his. It belongs to the Lord. It's holy and special to the Lord. And so then we learn how to live off the 90%, and here's what I've come to understand. 90% with God will always be more blessed than 100% with just me. There's a huge difference, but that's not, this isn't talking about tithing. It hadn't even happened yet. Abram hadn't gone out to Melchizedek. That happened hundreds of years later to give a tithe. It hadn't been taught in the law yet. The prophets hadn't reinforced it yet. Jesus hadn't affirmed it yet in the new covenant. Many people say, oh, tithing is Old Testament. Pastor, why are you mentioning that? That's of the old covenant. I don't have to do that anymore. Well, there are lots of things in the old covenant that have been fulfilled in the new covenant. Lots of things we're told not to do, but yet we're doing that would have cost us our lives in the old covenant. But yet in the new covenant, we get to live by grace. But Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
He taught on tithing himself. Did you know that? Jesus affirmed it. And you can find tithing all the way back to the end of the Bible in the book of Hebrews written by the apostles. They taught it as well. But this isn't talking about tithing. This is talking about generosity. This is talking about the very best that you have and even more beyond what, what belongs to God to begin with, the tithe. The firstborn and all their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Can anybody say pity party? <laughs> Pouting party? He was angry. Let me give you three thoughts, three takeaways out of this passage. Number one, there is an appointed time to be generous. There's an appointed time. Now, under Pastor Tim's leadership, you'll have many of those opportunities. This building is the result of people responding to an appointed time, a special time to be generous. There, there are special times. There's also appointed times when the Holy Spirit prompts you and just tells you, give that away. Help, help them with that. Give, give this. There are special times when the Holy Spirit prompts you. But there are points in, times when you, points in time when you choose to be generous, and at that moment, that's a special time for you and for God. And I love you enough, I wanna encourage you into it. Secondly, we are to give God the best of what we have, not the leftovers. That's the difference between an offering and the offering. An offering, oh, th this handful of grain should do fine. The offering, oh, here's the very best that I've got, and I wanna e add even more to it. So we're to, we're to be in that vein. We're to give the best of what we have, not the leftovers. And then the third thought is generosity goes beyond the first portion. Tithing isn't generosity, it's obedience. I'm talking to you about something beyond your obedience. I'm talking about generosity. I'm talking about when the Bible says everything eight times, giving you all that you need. I'm talking about us taking on that nature because we belong to him and he lives in us. And it's, it's a way in which we can live. One of my favorite theologians is a guy that taught and, and pastored in the 1600s. His name is Matthew Henry. And he said this, and I'll translate the old English for you in just a second. He said this, our merchandise and our hire, whatever they are, must be holiness to the Lord. Our merchandise, all that we have. Everything that we have, that's what he's talking about, all of our possessions. And our hire, our job and our income, the wealth that we've been given, all of it is to be holiness unto the Lord. In other words, everything we have really belongs to God, and the more that we live that way, the more blessed our life will be. Everything belongs to God. Let's go on in Genesis chapter four. Let's see what happens with Cain. Verse six, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? By the way, everybody look here. Cain took an offense that his offering, his afterthought offering, his nonspecific offering, his oh well, whatever God offering was not received by God. And so he took an offense to that. Perhaps there's things that you've been offended by recently. Perhaps parents did it. Perhaps your children did it. Perhaps there are offenses that happen with other believers. Perhaps in church life, small group, whatever the case may be. Look at me. If you hold on to that offense, it leaves a place for the enemy to torment your life. You've gotta give up that offense. The Bible teaches, Jesus himself speaking in John chapter 10, he says, I am the door, I am the way. Jesus stands at the door of your life, but the thief can come up some other way. Well, if Jesus is at the door and the evil one can't get in your life through the door of your life because Jesus stands there, can somebody say praise God for that? 
But the thief comes up some other way. What other way is there to get in? Through an open window into your soul. Who opens the windows of our life? Who opens the windows of our soul so that the enemy can get in? We do. We do. Jesus will never prop open a window of your life encouraging you to stay offended. He'll never prop open a window of your life encouraging you to hold on to unforgiveness. He'll never prop open a window of your life telling you it's okay to hold on to bitterness. Why will he never do that? Because he wants your life to be blessed and those things come from the kingdom of darkness and he doesn't want the thief in your business. He wants your life to be blessed. Well, Cain opened a window to his soul for the evil one. His afterthought, oh, oh shucks, who cares offering caused him to be offended when God saw the condition of his heart and didn't receive it. And then God says this, here's the grace and the goodness of our God. Look at this, verse seven. If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, Cain, I can see that you're offended, that I didn't think it was holy and that it was okay for you to just give an afterthought offering to me. I, I can see that, that you're jealous of the heart that your brother has. I can see all that, and I wanna give you another chance to do what's right. I'm looking on the faces of friends today, people watching online. You have made a mistake, but you don't need to stay in the place of that mistake. You can make it right. Very simply, you just pray and hand it over to God and say, they, they might have intended to hurt me, but I'm not gonna receive it. I might have made a mistake, but I am not a mistake. Can somebody say amen? And you make the choice to get out of that place where the enemy has a hold, has a place into your soul. You get out of that place and you choose, even when God gives you another chance because you messed up your first chance, you choose even that time to do well, to make the right choice and to make that choice toward God. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. What? Sin's desire. Sin's desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Three more thoughts. You might wanna jot these down. Number four, things go well with those whose things go to God. How many of y'all wanna bless life? I think I asked that at the beginning of the teaching just a second ago. Many of you waved at me and said, yeah, I wanna bless life. Well, if you wanna bless life, then your stuff is not your stuff, it's God's stuff. And when your stuff becomes other stuff or becomes the stuff and possession of, of what the spiritual family is doing, then blessings pour into your life and Don and I are testimony of this over and over and over again. Things go well with those whose things go to God. Number five, Satan works evil into the one who is selfish. Satan puts evil in the heart of the one who's selfish. And then number six, one way to defeat Satan in your life is with generosity. You can defeat him with praise. You can defeat him with repentance. You can defeat him through prayer, humility, lots of ways. You can read the book of Proverbs and find lots of ways to keep the enemy out. But yet another way, you can beat Satan. He might be crouching at the door of your life ready to pounce into your soul right now, but generosity will keep him out when you choose to honor the one who's given you everything you need and you choose to be generous. Into the house, yes, but even as a lifestyle for other people, going to other people. So I wanna take you through a couple of steps. Okay, somebody say steps. Steps toward generosity. Number one, learn contentment. So I wanna give you three steps. Learn contentment. The apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. And there were times when he had nothing but wounds on his body, and his underwear, that's it. He had absolutely nothing. No guarantee of food and water, 
No, no provision, no certainty of anything other than he knew his eternity was with God. And he said, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. Implied is whatever I don't have as well. Learn contentment. You're in the top 15 percentile of the world's population. Learn to be content. Quit longing for things that you don't need, but they're things that you want. It might be that God wants to use you to be a blessing because of how much you've been blessed rather than just more stuff for me, more stuff for me. Here's number two. The second step toward generosity is learn to give more. Just learn to give more. The Lord blesses those who are a blessing. Don and I made this determination. We were first married that we were gonna ask the Lord to help us to increase our giving and our generosity every year. And praise the Lord, knock on wood, it has happened every year. Five children, lean times, but we've chosen to continue to be generous. And God has brought it back to us time and time and time again. We even have had times when we wanted to try to step out on, on, on faith, step out of faith and test God and give more to the point that we could be able to say, yeah, got you this time, look at how much we've given. Twice we gave away, we, we both had a car, twice we gave away one and we shared one. How many of you all know that marriages are tested when you have to share a car? <laughs> That's just flat out hard to do. And I would never encourage anyone to do it unless God gives you a word to do it. We, we, man, one time we gave a car away and I started riding a bicycle. Why? Because we knew God wanted us to learn generosity. And that car wasn't a piece of junk either. I'm not talking about giving away your hand-me-downs. I'm talking about giving away and sowing with generosity with the best of what you have. The firstborn, the best of what you have. See, we make a living by what we get, but we make a legacy by what we give. And I yearn to have a legacy of generosity. Therefore, we choose to be generous. We, Don and I practice this. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a thought on this. We, we make a living by what we give, a legacy by what we uh, get, by what we get, a legacy by what we give. Uh, I bought a shirt oh, a couple of months ago, probably, and didn't try it on. And got it home and had an occasion to wear it. It was, it was a nicer shirt and put it on. The sleeves are too long. So I thought, ah, man, the thing I tell Don all the time is try it on before you bring it home so you don't have to take it back because the cost of those clothes go up when you go to the store to buy it, come home and find that it doesn't fit and then have to go back to the store to take it back. But I didn't do it myself. So I wasn't practicing what I preached. So I don't say that to her anymore because I didn't try one on. I brought it home and it didn't fit. So I hung it back up and I thought, well, I'll get back to that later. And so last week, had an occasion to wear that type of shirt, got it up, put it on, and think, oh yeah, shoot. And it was a nice shirt. It, it, it doesn't fit. Hasn't been worn, hasn't been washed, just, just hung there right straight from the store. But the sleeves are about an inch and a half to two inches too long. So I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this shirt? I know there's somebody that could be blessed by this shirt. And the Lord gave me someone two inches taller than me with arms that are an inch longer than mine to give to that shirt. And the timing of that gift was perfect. It was a brand new shirt. I could have taken it back and got my money back, but I chose to give it away, to, to, to give it away. Why? Because I wanna be known as being like God. How about you? I wanna be known as being generous and not stingy. I wanna give the best that I have, not just to give the leftovers of what I have. So what I'm teaching you today, I'm trying to practice and live myself. 
I don't like it when people teach things that they're not living themselves. Pastor Tim, we've talked about this. To get on the platform and be a hypocrite. Here's what you should be to, what you should do, but I'm not gonna do it. But I'm gonna tell you, you should do it. That's, that's not good. Your pastors don't do that. We practice what we preach. We lead by example. So you make a living by what you get, but you make a legacy. In other words, you become known both on earth and in heaven by what you give. And then here's the third step to, to, to grow in generosity. Third step toward generosity. Live and give by faith. You just have to do it by faith. You just have to choose to do it by faith. I'll tell you a story real quick. Um, as, I, as I shared, we were lean at the beginning of our married life for quite a while. Dawn had student loans. I decided to get her a nice wedding ring set. I worked in door-to-door sales when I was a graduate student, when I was getting my master's degree in theology. And so worked extra. Just I, I was that guy, if you've ever had a door-to-door salesman come to your door, I was that guy that you were cursing when they walked away. I knew all the tricks. I knew how to get started. And you talk about the foot in the door. Have you all ever heard of how to get your foot in the door? Anybody ever heard the saying, how to get your foot in the door? Okay, I love the three of you. God bless you. I'm gonna tell you how, what it means anyway. So when you're standing in door-to-door sales and they, and they prop the door open because you got something that you're reaching in to hand them, then you just put your foot right there so they can't close the door back on you. And this, this right here is getting your foot in the door. And then you keep on talking and then they feel obligated to, to hear what you have to say, which might lead to a sale, which might lead to, to income just, just because of that simple little trick. And, and I did that. And so what am I trying to tell you? Generosity, live and give by faith. So, so I worked extra shifts so we could pay off her student loans. Extra shifts so I could uh, pay off her wedding ring set. Extra shift to buy her a piano because my wife is a phenomenal musician, didn't have a piano to play. And God blessed all of those. And we chose to do that by faith. And we learn, first child comes along, second child comes along. Second child was born and I was fired from church staff when she was pregnant with our second child and our insurance was canceled. We had to pay for Jeremy. Perhaps you've seen Jeremy when he's led worship here before. We had to pay for him. It wasn't easy. There were many opportunities. What I'm trying to tell you, there were many opportunities where I could have said, oh, no, we gotta hold on. We got it, we got it, we can't. We gotta squeeze what we have for as tight as we can keep it because it's ours and we can't afford to be generous. But God just kept leading us to be generous, leading us to be generous. And then we get a phone call one day. I actually was still at church. I think I had a counseling appointment after services on Sunday. And so about three o'clock, I got home and Dawn is sitting on the bed on the phone crying. I thought, oh no, somebody has passed. Well, let me give you the backstory. She was on the phone with her dad. Her dad left the family, divorced his wife for an extramarital affair, did terrible things. Left the family in a hotel room in Portland, Oregon, when they lived in St. Louis, to walk out with his mistress who came to the hotel, knocked on the door. He left with his mistress. They had to get on a train and ride back to St. Louis after to finish that vacation. Terrible things. But the day that I got home, Dawn's on the phone and her dad is being prompted by the Lord to buy all three of his children a house. To just buy him a house. Said, here's your amount, go find one, I'm gonna pay for it. See, he had invested in this startup company called Microsoft Word. Anybody ever heard of Microsoft Word? He'd invested in a startup company called Microsoft Word and his, his original invest, investment increased a thousand times over. And so he decided to do some kindness back to his children. But do you know it wasn't him doing it, it was God doing it. 
Why? Because we were already in God's economy and out of our own. We were already in the place of choosing to live with generosity and not choose to, to hold on to things and be offended toward God with the fact that we were living lean in those days. And God just decided to bring it back to us. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you, you can live and give by faith. You can do it, and God will bless you as you do. And you'll be the one that will receive blessing in return. You'll be blessed to be a blessing. And it's a blast to live that way, and I long for all of you to understand that if you don't already, I long for you to step into it. Here's the last question I'm gonna leave you with today. Will you ask God to mature you into generosity? Will you just choose to say, Lord, I wanna mature and grow in generosity? Can we pray? Would everyone close your eyes and bow your heads? I wanna pray for us. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Jeff, I think God's talking to me about something, would you just slip your hand up all across the room? Pastor Jeff, I've heard the, the Holy Spirit talking to me. I wanna be generous. How many of you all would just lift your hand and say, I wanna be generous? I wanna step into generosity. Good, God bless you all. Online just as well. Would do the kids good for you to just lift your hand right now as they're watching there with you to say, I'm responding to you, Holy Spirit. I wanna be generous. I wanna pray for us. Lord, I wanna thank you for this day that you have made I wanna thank you for the blessings in this day. And I wanna thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand your word, to learn from those two guys, Cain and Abel. And I wanna thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to be like you. So now touch our minds, renew our thoughts, take us to that place where we can be generous. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. If everyone would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna encourage those of you that would say, you know, Jeff, I'm not 100% positive that at the end of my life, whenever that might be, that I'm gonna be with God in his heaven. By the way I've been living, I got my doubts. Well, friend, I wanna encourage you to recognize something. You're here today in this church service. You're here today watching online because of this moment right now. You see, God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. And he wants to do something for you right now that you can't do for yourself. He wants to forgive your sins, all of them, past, present, and future. The question is, is will you let him? Will you let him? My question would be, why not right now? Why not let him forgive your sins right now? And you might be here and say, Jeff, I don't know how to do that. I don't, know what, I don't know what to do. Well, friend, I just wanna help you to know something. There was a time when I didn't know what to do either. And someone offered to help me pray and connect with God, and I took him up on it, and God heard my prayer. Friend, it would be my privilege. I'd be honored to help you meet Jesus in your heart right now and to let him do for you what you can't do for yourself. Let him forgive your sins. He's the only one that can do it. And you know deep down inside your best efforts to be good aren't cutting it. That's why you need a savior. So friend, I wanna invite you to pray with me right now. Boy or girl, mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, it doesn't matter. This is your first time here today or if you've been here a thousand times before, that doesn't matter either. I wanna encourage you to pray with me right, right now. Walk out of church today with your name in God's book in heaven. All right, here we go. You pray with me, I'll pause so that you can pray each phrase. Lord Jesus, I'm choosing to trust in you right now. I'm choosing right now to believe that you're God's son and that when you conquered sin and death, 
and came out of the grave victorious. I'm choosing to believe that you did that for me. And I'm asking you right now, Lord, to come into my life, to take over my life, and to forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. And Lord, I want you to know, this is important, friend, pray this. Lord, I want you to know that starting right now, I'm not gonna live the rest of my life my way any longer. I'm choosing right now to live the rest of my life with you. Here's the last part of the prayer. Pray this, thank you, Lord Jesus, for just now hearing my prayer. And it's in your name that I've prayed. Amen. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, except those of you who just prayed with me. If you just prayed with me, would you look up at me right now? Would you just look up at me and give me a wave and say, that's me, Jeff, I just prayed with you. Yes, sir, God bless you. Yes, yes, God bless you. Yes, sir, God bless you. In the balcony, just wave at me. Look at me and wave at me and say, that's me. Gotcha, just wave at me. Yes, got you both right there. Just look up at me and wave at me. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, darling, God bless you. Okay, those that just prayed, would you look back this way? Way to go. I'm proud of you. You just made the best decision you could ever make. You just took a step toward God. And now, we'd like to help you know what to do next. The next step is to be baptized. But we wanna help you to know what it means now that you just trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you take the card on the seat back in front of you? Would you take that card and would you fill it out or would you text I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT? Either way, it'd be fine. It'll open a conversation for us to start encouraging you. God bless you all. Would everyone look this way, friends? Can we celebrate nine in this service, taking a step toward God? Praise the Lord. Pastor Tim. Ooh, there it is. Thank you, Pastor. What a fantastic message. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. It's always an honor to have you here, sir. Pastor Don as well, thank you so much. We love you. Your High Ridge family loves you very, very much. It is an honor. Is it an honor? to have you here. Thank you so much. Um, go ahead and stand to your feet if you would. We're just about finished for today. I'm going to invite our elders and their wives. They're going to stand here at the, at the front of our platform to make sure that if you have any prayer needs, they would love to pray for you. We would love to watch God work on your behalf. We'd love to be your prayer partners this morning. Also, before uh, Pastor Jeff and Don leave, you guys make sure you tell them how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. His message was lights out today. It was fantastic. <laughs> lights, not... I'll work on it. I'll work on it. No, so good. Uh, thank you so much for taking the Operation Christmas Child Boxes. That means a lot to us. Uh, don't forget about December 19th. It's going to be an amazing time just getting you a chance to see um, where our generosity is taking effect, not only in this city, but all around the world. It is an awesome privilege to be a part of that, to see it. And I want you to be able to share that with me. Let me bless you and send you out. Father God, I thank you for this amazing day and the message that we have just heard. I pray that that would take root in our hearts, that we would be the most generous church that you have in your kingdom, Lord. I pray that we would continue to honor you by doing what you call us to do. Would you bless the people now in Jesus' name? And everybody said together, one big, loud, crazy, high ridge, amen. God bless you as you go. Have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. 
If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.